What is up, y'all, and welcome to the 1225 Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Sherman, and I am beyond ecstatic to finally be bringing these to you. This has been about a year-long process for us to get these up and running, so thank you so much for downloading this podcast. Thank you for taking a chance and listening to us, and I'm excited to see the journey that we go down as we discover the Bible and the ultimate love that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us. Let me give you a little bit of background on myself. I'm not a pastor, not a religious leader, spiritual guru, anything like that. I'm just a man who loves Jesus Christ with all his heart, soul, and mind. But I'm also a man who has been through a number of trials and tribulations in his own life and has witnessed the awesome power of the grace, love, and peace of Jesus Christ. It's that same power of freedom that comes through Jesus that I want to hopefully show you as we dive into the scriptures together. So once again, thank you for joining me. Let's dive into this thing. Why 1225? I would say that's a fair question given that's the name of our podcast. A couple months back, I was sitting there going through my quiet time, and I came across the, the verse in Proverbs of Proverbs 12.25, which very simply says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. I started thinking about that verse in a little bit more depth. And as I really started to think about it, what came to mind was just the amount of anxiety that we face on a daily basis. I'm not talking about necessarily a clinical anxiety, although that is part of it. I'm talking more so about the different elements in our universe, in our world, both personal and universal, that attack us to try to add weight into our lives. A general definition of anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. But as I dove into this verse a little bit more, what I found very interesting was that the original word here for anxiety in this verse is daga, which means is fear, heaviness, or sorrow. So when it's talking about weight, it's talking about the weight of fear, the weight of heaviness, or the weight of sorrow. So very simply put, when we talk about anxiety in this verse, we're talking about anything that adds spiritual, mental, emotional, and or physical weight to our lives that pulls us down and keeps us away from the joy, love, and grace found in Jesus Christ. Like I mentioned, there's two different kinds of anxieties that we all face. The first one is going to be a public or universal anxiety. Very quick examples of a couple of these could be the political turmoil that we all just experienced in this recent election. Maybe it's financial instability caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Or it could be the international tension that we seem to be continually having with countries like Iran, Russia, China, and so forth. Maybe it's the numerous natural disasters that are occurring across our nation or in the Gulf of Mexico. Or maybe it's the coronavirus pandemic as a whole. Long story short, these public or universal anxieties that we all face are things that are way beyond our control, but they affect each and every one of our lives as a corporate group. But then there's also private or personal anxieties. Some of these of what I mean could be, you know, it could be a marriage problem. Maybe it's mounting debt, an illness or constant suffering, rejection of family and friends. Or maybe it's an addiction to a substance or maybe it's an addiction to a certain action. Regardless, anxiety can be boiled down 
to one word, and that's fear. Because anxiety is a direct weapon of the spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear is one of the strongest and most powerful spirits Satan uses to bring us onto a path of destruction. And he does this by turning our mind away from God and the promises that he makes throughout Scripture and putting our minds onto our problems and the multitude of issues that we face and how we, that's the emphasis, we need to overcome them. The problem with anxiety is it creates what-if questions. And we begin to overcompensate for our future because we try to prepare in advance for all the things that we think might happen. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. Let's go back up to and look at that financial instability. What if you lose your job? What if that paycheck stops coming in? What if you can't pay your bills? What if you get evicted? What if you can't put food on the table? Let's look at something that's maybe a little bit more personal. Is your marriage maybe in a bad position? What if your spouse decides to leave you? What if the fighting doesn't go away? What if you end up all alone? These what if questions that continually occur within our head become a massive weight for a future problem that does not yet exist, but becomes ever present in our mind. It's a slippery slope effect. It's a never ending cycle of building fears and future what ifs that must be accounted for on our own end. So in essence, it creates an endless supply of worry. The outcome of anxiety is lifelong worry and stress planning for unknown possibility of future problems. We're never able to address the here and now fully because we're always focused a couple steps ahead to address those what-if questions. And in turn, that creates an endless burden of weight that will ultimately destroy us from a physical, emotional, and spiritual element. This is why the author here says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. What is a good word? Very simply put, a good word is God's word, and we're going to discover that. But a good word makes us glad because it releases us from the weight provided by anxiety by taking our attention and putting it back on God, and that allows us to be placed under his easiness, love, joy, peace, and ultimate rest. The scripture that we can pull this from is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and we will talk about that in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I want to talk about exactly what a good word is. Yes, it releases us, but how do we know it releases us? And in what ways does it release us from the burden or the weight of anxiety? There's five attributes that we can find throughout scripture about what a good word is and how it removes the weight of anxiety in our lives. These first five podcasts that we do are going to be about those first five, or I'm sorry, are going to be about those five attributes. Because of the fact, I think it's important that we take each one and truly break it down bit by bit to see how exactly it releases us from that weight. So with that being said, let's look at the first attribute of a good word, and that is a good word silences the noise of distraction and allows us to dwell in the presence of God.
silences the noise of distraction. What do I mean by noise of distraction? The noise of distraction is anything that owns our thoughts, dominates our time and energy, and requires our complete focus in order to fulfill the expectation placed on us. Once again, let me give you some examples. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a personal ambition, a professional achievement. Maybe it's a passion for a certain social topic or a personal hobby, or maybe a pursuit of a worldly pleasure. Maybe it's a relationship. But all of those, it's an expectation placed on us by ourselves or someone else. Long story short, the noise of distraction is anything that dominates our time, energy, mind, and body. Reversing the priority of us putting God first and it placing the distractions or our preparations ahead of God, therefore keeping us focused on the noise rather than on God. There's a case study of this that we can find in Scripture, and that's found in Luke 10, 38 through 42. It says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Of course, if you didn't pick up on it, this is the story of Mary and Martha. However, I want to dive into this, and I really want to focus on each individual character. Well, I want to focus first on Martha, and then we're going to move to Mary. But I also, as we study this, I want to focus on how Jesus responds to each one of those characters in their moment. So let's take a look at Martha first. The first thing that comes out is what we see in verse 40. But Martha was distracted, that's the key word there, with all her preparations. There's a couple things that jump out, but that first word, like I said, distracted. I really wanted to understand what that word meant. So a little bit of research, I was able to find out that the Greek word that is actually used there is perispo. And what that means is to draw away. So when we reread this verse, it says, but Martha was drawn away with all her preparations. That's a very different context now because what we're literally saying is her preparations became the top priority, drawing her away from the very presence of Jesus. Stop and let that soak in. And when we truly think about the ease of that statement, that her priorities shifted and that her preparations became the top priority and Jesus became the secondary priority, that she was drawn away to the magnitude and multiplicity of her preparations rather than the simplicity of being in the presence of Jesus. That's the trap that occurs when we talk about anxiety. Expectations placed on us are often presented as a necessary thing and therefore requires our full attention. 
but very quickly after that expectation is placed on this, it becomes an all-consuming noise that traps us in its sound and prevents us from hearing or recognizing anything else but that expectation that needs to be fulfilled. Let me explain this in terms of the story. Martha's expectation was to be a good host. Even though Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, was in her presence, her expectation was to be a good host and fulfill all the duties associated with her being a good host. Therefore, the preparation surrounding her hostly duties became the massive amount of noise, distracting her from her ability to recognize that Jesus was in the room with her, trying to communicate to her. As further evidence of this, we see it when it plays out into what she says to the Lord in the second half of verse 40, when she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. The noise of distraction consumed her to such a degree that she didn't even recognize she was complaining to the Lord about her sister basking in the presence of God and resting in him. It distorted her reality. The complaint that about Mary shows how distorted her reality actually came. And the sound of distraction created so much anxiety that the correct view of reality was reversed. It took her focus from Jesus and placed it onto her in a roundabout way. It became less about being in the presence of God and more about making sure she herself fulfilled everything that was expected of her. I want to pause here because I want to ask us, how often are we distracted when the noise of the expectations surrounding us becomes so great that our priority is reversed and taken away from Jesus and placed on ourselves and fulfilling our expectations. How many times have we complained to God because we need to fulfill the expectations that have been placed on us instead of focusing just on being with God and allowing Him to fulfill those expectations on our behalf? This is where it can get very tricky. But this is how the spirit of fear twists our priorities with deafening tones of distraction to make what we hear the top priority and not what we've been taught to make or to keep as our top priority. So how does Jesus respond? Well, let's look at verse 41. Jesus says, and it said, the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. I want to stop there because when we look at it, there's a couple things that immediately jump out in what Jesus said. You are worried and bothered about so many things. We already pointed out the multiplicity of Martha's preparations. Our worries and our concerns, when we're worried and bothered, it's not just about one thing. There's a multitude of things. 
How many times have you sat there when somebody has asked you, hey, how are you doing? You're like, man, I am trying to keep my head above water. I feel like I got to get my kids to where they need to go. Uh, bills are coming due that I, my job is just not covering those. I've got multiple product or multiple presentations at work that I got to make sure that I fulfill. My wife and I are in a good place right now. It seems like we're arguing every night and they stack and stack and stack. When we actually view what Martha's doing, when she complains to the Lord, she is complaining about the multiplicity of her issues. And Jesus calls us out and speaks directly to that spirit of fear, that slippery slope of what if questions Jesus addresses in this first phrase. When he goes, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. We talked about it in the beginning, about Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. But I really want to read that for us so that we can understand exactly what Jesus is saying here. Because what is that one thing that's necessary? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is a yoke there that Jesus is referring to? That yoke is a heavy piece of wood that was specifically designed to lay over the shoulders of an ox, a donkey, or a horse. And it was meant so that whoever was steering them could twist the reins in such a direction that that heavy piece of wood would force the beast to go in the direction that they needed to go. The yoke that we have on us in the multiplicity of issues that anxiety brings, as we see in Proverbs 12, 25, the anxiety that weighs man's heart down is a yoke of a heavy burden steering us towards a path of destruction. What Jesus promises in this is, come to me, all you who are, all you who are weary and heavy laden with that heavy yoke, and I will give you rest. Jesus takes that heavy burden of yoke off of us, those anxieties off of us, and instead he places his yoke, which is easy, and promises rest, joy, peace, and ultimate love in him. We see this again in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, which says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In this verse, if we go back and read the earlier parts, like in verse 25 and following, we'll find out that Jesus is physically talking about the necessities of life. What Jesus is promising here is that I know what you need ahead of time. And if you come to me and come into my presence, even if you are complaining, open the door and allow me to step in so that I can give you my easy yoke and take this burden and take it from you so that you will be lighter and be able to rest. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Martha opened the door 
and allowed Jesus to address that spirit of anxiety in her. And when she did, he was able to silence that anxiety, take that heavy burden off of her, and place his easy yoke upon her. Thankfully, though, this is not the only character in this story. There's also Mary, and we have to look at her. Let's go back up to verse 39, because I think it's very interesting here that Mary is introduced very early on, where it said she had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. The interesting thing here is she chose from the very beginning to sit at his feet and listen to his word. She rejected her expectations of being a host and rejected those duties for the promise of being in the presence of Jesus. She had the exact opposite response from Martha. Her priority was God first, Jesus first. And then she listened to his word. We already know from Proverbs 12, 25, a good word makes him glad. So she is sitting here listening to his word, the good word. And as such, she is filled with joy because she's in the presence of Jesus. The cares about the world around her dissipate. She doesn't care about being a host. She doesn't care if all her guests get served. She doesn't care about that. She just wants to be in the presence of Jesus, and she is going to trust that Jesus is going to fulfill all the needs of everybody else. And what's interesting to me is Jesus doesn't look at her and say, no, 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 you need to go be a good host. That's what you're supposed to do. Don't sit here at my feet. Go do your duty. Go be in the multiplicity. No, we already saw that Jesus silenced Martha for the multiplicity of issues that she was struggling with. But on the same side, in the same verse, Jesus also protects Mary from the noise that Martha is trying to attack her with. We see it again. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mary was already in the presence of Jesus. And as such, Jesus promises that it won't be taken away from her. Remember, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is promising here and shows us very clearly through the character study of Mary that when we are in his presence, he will block the noise from us to keep us there in his presence protected from the multiplicity of attacks and the weight of anxiety that is trying to drag us down to destruction. Very simply put, Jesus was our shelter. So let's connect all the dots here in this story. If you ever come and you experience any sort of environment where there's TVs with any man in my family, you will instantly come across what we call the Sherman Syndrome. It's a very real condition and we all struggle with it greatly. It only affects the men in my family. And that is when a TV is on, especially if it's football or basketball or a major sporting event, that we will be glued to that TV with our mouths slightly open unable to hear anything else in the world besides that TV. We are like a moth drawn to the flame. And as such, 
It is amazing to me that when we are in these situations that all the noise around us instantly becomes like the teacher in Charlie Brown and it just becomes the wah, 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 wah. And all that matters is what is playing on that TV. My wife hates it. And rightfully so, mind you. She absolutely has every right to hate this because we will be in the middle of a conversation. The TV will come on. Whether I was the one who turned it on or she turned it on doesn't really matter. That's neither here nor there. But anyways, TV gets turned on. That noise comes on. And anything that we were talking about is instantly lost because I am glued to that TV, like I said, like a moth to the flame. My wife has gotten to the point to where she starts taking the remote and hits the mute button. And as soon as that noise is gone, we're then instantly reconnected because my attention goes back to her and that distraction is removed. This Sherman syndrome that we all suffer with, all the men in my family, is very much like Martha. When the noise of distraction in our lives becomes so great, all that we can focus on is that noise and making sure that we are paying attention to it and giving it our full focus. It controls our mind, body, and soul. It consumes our time. It affects us on an emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual level. And all we can focus on is that. Everything else around us, Jesus may be talking and in the room with us like he was with Martha, but we can't focus on it because of the greatness and the loudness of the noise of our issues, the multiplicity of the anxieties that are bringing its weight against us. So what does Jesus do? He mutes it so that we, he can regain our attention. What I find so interesting about this story is that Martha had to complain to Jesus, but in doing so, opened the door to allow Jesus to mute the noise. Jesus doesn't care how we come to him. He just wants us to come to him. He wants you there. He wants your attention. He wants you to come to him. All you who are weary and heavy laden. You know, another story to kind of illustrate the point here is my son loves monster trucks. It is one of the cutest things to watch, and he's only four, but his love of monster trucks is absolutely amazing. Anytime it comes on TV, he can sit there and he will jump down and instantly start naming off all the trucks and run upstairs and grab his little model ones that he's got, his little Hot Wheels ones, and he will bring them all downstairs and we'll sit there and watch the whole thing while he enacts what's going on on the TV screen. I love it. To see the joy in his face is just priceless. A couple months back, we got the opportunity to take him to a monster truck rally that came to town. We surprised him in taking him to this monster truck rally. We didn't tell him what was happening ahead of time. And as we walked up to the stadium where it was taking place, he heard them say, welcome to Monster Jam. And his eyes about bugged out of his head. He was so excited. And the pureness of the joy on his face is something that I long for just once in my life. I don't know if I've, I take that back. I have had that once and that's when I married my wife. There we go. Little brownie points for everybody else out there. Always make sure that you, you know, back up your wife and bring that up. But no, all kidding aside, 
that is probably the only time I've experienced that kind of joy in my life is when I married my wife and then when he was born. Other than that, I mean, just the pureness of the joy on his face was just awesome. As we walked in and we got there, I brought earplugs to help protect him from the noise because I knew it was going to be loud, but I didn't know how loud it was truly going to be. And when it got started, I realized very quickly that this is so loud that even with the earplugs in, it was going to hurt him. So I picked him up and I put him in my lap and I cupped his ears with my hands. And it was interesting to watch because as I did, he was uncomfortable, but he was trying not to complain because he was so happy with what was going on, but his ears were hurting. But the moment I put him in my lap and the moment I sheltered his ears with my hands, he leaned back and the joy returned. And he watched in triumph as he was getting to experience one of his purest joys that he loves in this world. My friends, that's like Mary. Because what we're seeing here is that Mary, all she wanted to do was experience the joy of Jesus. She didn't care about anything else. She didn't care about all the noise of her hostly duties. She didn't care about all those worries. She just wanted to be in the presence of Jesus and experience that joy. So what did Jesus do when the noise came and tried to distract her? When it got so loud that it ramped up through her? When Martha came and tried to attack her and even tried to attack her to Jesus? Jesus picked her up, put her in her lap, in his lap sheltered her ears and said, not today. She has chosen the one thing that is necessary and it will not be taken away from her. The beautiful thing about this is regardless of if you're Martha or Mary, Jesus is silencing the noise of distractions in our lives by reminding us and bringing us into his presence and then sheltering the noise from us. So what is a good word? The first attribute of a good word is a good word silences the noise of distraction and allows us to dwell fully in the presence of God. I gotta ask, are you a Martha? Do you suffer from the Sherman syndrome of life. But I'm gonna encourage you, allow God to mute the noise. And while you allow him to mute that noise, recognize that he has been in the room with you the entire time. He understands the multiplicity of the attacks and the weight of the different anxieties that have been added on to you. He just wants you to be in his presence. He just wants you to find that one thing that is necessary so that he can take the heavy burden off of you and give you his easy yoke. Are you a Mary? Are you in the presence of Jesus right now? But you feel the noise ramping up and it's becoming uncomfortable. Then stay in the presence of Jesus and watch as like a son in his father's lap. He cups your ears, protects you from the noise, and says, you have chosen the one thing that is necessary, and it will not be taken away from you.
So Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. Let me pray for us. Before we pray, I gotta, I gotta make this, or I gotta ask this question. Do you know the Jesus that I'm talking about? Maybe you do, and you've just forgotten. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you thought you did, but what we just described and what we went over is unlike anything that you've experienced before. I'm going to challenge you that Jesus is real. I've experienced this attribute firsthand through my own battles with mental health issues like depression and anxiety. I have seen the hand of God come down, cut my ears and say, you have chosen the one thing that is necessary and it will not be taken away from you. I will protect you, my son. The promises he makes in scripture are not just ambient words placed on in an old book that have no meaning. They're real, living and breathing promises. And if you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about, it's very simple. All you have to do is say, Lord, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to silence the noise and the multiplicity of the attack and the heaviness of the burden. I need you to take it. I am coming to you weary and heavy laden. I am claiming this promise of rest. Please allow me to enter. Forgive me of my sin. And Lord, restore me to being a full child of God. If you prayed that, I'm going to ask you to please email me. Number one, I want to celebrate with you because this is an awesome, awesome thing. But number two, I want to continue to encourage you. Like I said, I have faced many battles. And as we go through these podcasts, you'll hear more and more of my story. But the one that I just mentioned is I have faced firsthand clinical anxiety and clinical depression. I know those burdens. I've felt them. I've lived them in a very real sense. I know how important it is to have a network of compassion and encouragement. So please email me. Lord, for every person out there listening to this, I thank you. I thank you for each and every one of them, Lord. God, I don't know their situations, but you, you do. And Lord, it's so easy to be like Martha and forget that you're right there in the room with us. But Lord, hit the mute button on the noise and regain our focus. And Lord, when we're there, like Mary, at your feet, listening to your word, shelter us from the noise that tries to attack us. And keep us in your presence, Lord. It is in your name I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me tonight. Like I said, this has been about a year-long process to get this up and going. So thank you 
so much. I am so excited to see where we go from here. And I'm excited to see where God takes us as we dive into his word a little bit more. Like I said, this is part one of a five-part podcast to start this thing off on a good word. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about breaking the bondage of affliction and healing the illnesses infecting our lives. Once again, my name is Jordan Sherman. Um, If you want to email me, our email is 1225podcast at gmail.com. That's the numbers, 1225podcast at gmail.com. Before we go, I want to end every episode with this statement. No matter what you are facing, no matter what anybody's told you, no matter how alone you may feel, no matter what you happen to be going through at this very moment, always remember, you are loved. Thank you.